Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 282. How are you doing, guys? Thank you for tuning in. Um, I have a rare return guest this week in Sarah Pascoe. Um, every now and then, and not that often, I'll say that an episode is one of my all-time favourites. There's actually two or three coming up that come into that category. But when I finished this one, I came out thinking this is possibly my all-time favourite. Not one of, but my all-time favourite conversation I've had on the podcast. Sarah is wonderful. She's intelligent and funny, but also she's open to discussion and debate and you don't feel um, attacked in any of that. And it was such a... It felt like a really important conversation. You know, important sounds grand and everything, but yeah, I just really enjoyed this conversation. I was really grateful to have to have Sarah on. So, um, yeah, she's my, as we mentioned, she's my most requested guest that I've already had on because I had her on in the early days. We, In fact, we talk about all this in the intro. So the reason Sarah has returned now, um, a couple of things that we talk about in the podcast, but I wanted to mention it in this intro, is she has a new book, Sex, Power, Money, and she's done um, a companion podcast to go with that. So check that out. We're going to talk about it a load and you're going to want to, but I just wanted to get it in now. I'm going to get straight into it. I've got loads to tell you about in the outro, but I'll save that for the outro. We're brought to you as ever by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. That's where you can buy merch for the podcast, for my label and for myself. And patreon.com slash We've just had the poem of the month. Next week is Distraction Pieces Rewind. In fact, it might in fact be the one where we talk about the first time that Sarah Pascoe came on. So um, yeah, it's great. I'll chat more at the end. If this is your first time tuning in we speak about a lot of cool people but i've had some amazing guests in the past so including sarah's first visit go back and listen to that if you fancy it but also people like james a caster ashlyn b Catherine ryan cariad lloyd izzy sooty uh josie long loads of amazing and wonderful um comedians so yeah I'm, i i, I want to list more nish kumar um ed gamble i've I mean, if you want to bring up Stuart Lee and Adam Buxton, then sure, why not? And Richard Herring, let's let's bring them up. Um, Charlie Brooker, throw him in there, why not? Had some amazing guests. So anyway, on with the podcast. This is episode 282 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the return of Sarah Pascoe. Oh, sorry to interrupt again. One more thing before we get started. Um, we go deep and heavy into some big some big big topics so obviously number one a bit of a trigger warning there but number two we're just speaking really honestly and openly uh but they're complex subjects so i want to kind of apologize in advance if any terms or names or or phrases used um aren't correct particularly for example i mean we talk about the sex work industry and there's a lot of terms and phrases. It's such a developing industry and changing industry at the moment. I know, for example, the word prostitute was 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 once the standard word, and through kind of the bastardization of of its use in the media, it's become um, a less acceptable one. So there's there's a lot of things like that that are constantly changing. So I just wanted to pop up quickly and say, if we slightly use any slightly incorrect frames phrases or terms um please take it in the spirit of the conversation and hopefully you can kind of yeah not let it distract you too much from 
the content of what's being discussed. Anyway, on with the podcast. Bye now. It's always that thing on podcasts of, of not wanting to talk t- too much yeah, until we're rolling. Because yeah, repeat yourself. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm joined today by Sarah Pascoe. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. This is exciting for me because I'm not sure if I've mentioned this online or not, but you're my most requested guest that I've already had on. Oh, really? And I think it's because you were on quite early. Yes. And I also think possibly you were the first ever person I forgot to take a Polaroid picture Yeah, I with. was thinking that on the way here because I was thinking I should put some makeup on. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> listeners, um, but I did think about it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, he might forget to take a photo again. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first time it yeah. had happened and it, it, it destroyed me. But um, so I, I wonder if that's part of the reason that it's yes. been overlooked. It's weird because recently James A. Caster has started to... Ch- to challenge you but I yes. think he's one that again because I had him on early both of you have yeah. done so much s- yeah. since then that it's yeah. easy and if you've to got newer listeners people do that I've had a thing recently where a few people have said you should do Taskmaster you'd be really good at it and you have the thing like, I did season three <laughs> yeah I did yep. and I wasn't good at it thank you yeah it's it's one of my favorite shows to watch to talk about I think it's just consistently it kind of annoys me because it was around s- season three or four mm. that I was like they're going to run out of good tasks at some yes, point. And this yeah. year's was the best tasks they've ever had. I it's think like, they're very good at kind of crowdsourcing. I've, so yeah. quite often, uh, I hope I'm not getting anyone into any trouble, but, but sometimes quite often if you're drinking with anyone associated with the show, they'll ask you. Yeah. They will say, have you got any... Like, so they're quite good at kind of asking people. Or yeah. my, my ex-boyfriend came up with a task. He's really good friends with Alex. And he, he came up with the idea of like um, making Marmite. Great. Which is just such a great idea. Yeah. Just the idea of like you just you can ask for anything, like and the closest approximation to Marmite wins. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, I love it. So, so, so who were you on with? I'm not going to make yes. this a whole no, episode no. about Taskmaster. No, so I was on with, and because they, they tend to have a kind of formula, and I was on when it was still only one woman. So it was Rob Beckett. Yes, it was Dave and, Gorman. And Rob, one didn't Rob he? One, yeah. yeah, he was brilliant, and um, Paul Chowdhury. He was such a silly Billy. Yeah, he was great. Dave Gorman and Al Murray, they were like the grown-up clever boys. Yes. Yeah. And Dave was the one that I was kind of, I think, but because I've known of his, or because of how he came to popularity, it's all quite yes. thought. Oh, he's so intelligent. So, he's both so him, clever. Both him and Al Murray are so really ins- clever. I actually yeah. thought, oh, Dave's going to win. And I think yes. he. it was enjoyable watching him get yes. annoyed when he didn't Fantastic. do well. Because it's yeah. like... You should be smashing all of these. Yeah, because he was so good at thinking laterally. Yeah. And, and Al Murray kept bribing everyone. He kept spending his own money yeah. <laughs> on things. Yeah. yeah, but I love, again, it's the it's the ludicrousness of it. Or like Paul Chowdhury is, is, is one of my favourite Taskmaster yes, guests ever. I and I wasn't that aware of him at that no. point. And he was just so... When they, when they said he was doing the series, he was one that I was... Because I'd done stand-up with him before and some stand-up shows. And I was like, oh... Okay, and then the second it started, I just loved it so much. I loved him and everything he did, and he's one of those comics, actually, who has an exceptionally strong clown, yeah. and that's what was really clear in Taskmaster. Yeah. It never looked like he was being stupid on purpose, Yeah, but completely. no one can be that stupid. He just held it so yeah. well, particularly yes. in the studio bits, yes. just yeah. so kind of 
I yeah. don't know there was what one, you were laughing at. There was one at. task that was just him by himself. Or maybe there was a day where it was all tasks that only got Paul to do, and one of them was on a bouncy <laughs> castle. And it was just, I think of it often, just how <laughs> happy it made me. <laughs> Paul Chowdhury yeah. on a bouncy castle. I love it. But also, like, again, because you can look and go, well, logically, here's who I think will win, a Dave Gorman or this or yes, that. Yes, yeah. But then it never works like that because no. l- logically, uh, when I saw... Uh, uh, Lou Sanders was on yes, this series. Yeah. I was like, I love Lou. It's going to be yes, hilarious. It's gonna be She's hilarious. not going to get a single point, no. but it's going to be wonderful. Yeah, and she absolutely smashed absolutely it. Like smashed the, it. the studio yeah. tasks was, it became just my most exciting thing because yeah. about four in a row, mm. she just won yeah. easily. Everyone yes. was trying really hard. She yeah. got there. You go. Yeah, I've won absolutely it. brilliant. That's the thing, actually, because that's why it's such a great format. Because the stuff that Greg judges is so arbitrary. It isn't like who is the best. It's who yeah. Greg thinks is the best, <laughs> yeah. which in itself is that nonsensical. Yeah. yeah, which then becomes enjoyable because there is you, literally everyone else will have a reason to get annoyed because they'll be like, well. Yeah, because yeah, it's I literal favouritism. Like, Greg just finds some people more charming than others. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, there's a lot of things I want to talk about. Yeah. Taskmaster w- was on here, but oh, it was wasn't okay. going to be something I was going to be yes, focusing okay. on loads. So, but I'm glad we got that in yeah. there. Um, you've just been up to an awful lot since you last came on, haven't you? It's yeah. been a hell of a time. Yes. And genuinely, it's weird because uh, we've met a handful of times, yeah. I guess. I've come to see your shows a few times and things like that. But because you're on so much stuff that I'm into, yeah. it feels like we catch up all the time. Oh, I've good. seen loads of yeah. you. It feels like, oh, Sarah's a really close friend. I'm yeah. like, oh, we've actually met like four times ever. <laughs> yeah. but, but before we get into any of that, mm. the really important bit is you've you've got a dog. Yeah. And that's really the most exciting thing. thing. There's TV shows, there's books, yeah. there's all sorts and of stuff. And all of those things have got me to the point where I could buy a flat so I could get a dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was all stepping stones to being truly happy. So how exciting has it been? Is it, His name's Mouse. His name's Mouse. I'm obsessed with him. Yep. So, so got, am I. And I, I've never <laughs> met him. So. Oh, I, was just, I was actually thinking on the way here, I should have checked if I could bring him because I would have brought him to meet you. Well, there's a, a studio dog oh, is there? Well, called Neville who's fantastic. Oh, well, the trouble is, because he's still a puppy... He reacts really badly to other dogs' territory indoors. Yeah. He's lovely outside, but I took him to a meeting last week where he'd been fine the week before, but this week they had a dog and he weed on someone from Sony's bag. Oh, wow. And they didn't take it great. No, I'd imagine yeah. not. And that's not a good negotiation. Like, you should take your dog outside. And I was like, he's, that's not what this is. <laughs> this yeah. is territory marking. Yeah. Um, so he's not, but um, yeah, he's, I'm obsessed with him. I've got this quite a codependent relationship at the moment. But he's just the most, he's the most incredibly clever dog and very affectionate and very confident. He looks and, like a cartoon dog. Yeah. It's he, brilliant. He it like really just looks dog. like it's a yeah. kid's cartoon dog. Yeah. Like they've literally drawn that. Either, yes. or the HMV dog or a yeah. spot the dog type thing. It's Yeah. It's and it's wonderful. just so incredible. This woman had him around the corner. She'd got, had him since he was about five weeks old and she'd, I didn't know her, she, she'd bought him for an autistic son and then I think the puppy was far too young to be with her and the son hadn't taken to the dog. So she put something up on like a a, a local residence page. It's like, yeah. I can't cope with this puppy. And I just walked around and got him. And Amazing. so, and I'd only moved in like two days before. So getting the dog was like in two months time when things have settled down and I had some furniture. Yeah. I, lo- I love it. Cause again, I'm a big f- fan of, 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 of adopt, don't sh- shop. I yes, think rescuing absolutely. dogs is really important. Yeah, so really again, if is. there's a dog that, hasn't settled mm. or isn't working and that's a well it's also that thing. thing i mean it might be the same with you when your life has i have i'm at home most of the time writing my, my life has the luxury of flexibility so i'm really good 
I know he has an amazing life with yeah. me. Yeah, then- it's, it's tough. It's the reason I've put off getting a dog for so long. And I want to kind of discuss that. Do you think the spontaneity mm. of it helped it happen? Because I think it's yes. so easy, particularly yeah. in anything in entertainment, where mm. you might have a gig that comes in that means you have to be away yes. for a month, or this might happen, well, or this might thing. happen. that's the thing. What I found quite good about having a dog, and this is why I think if it's something that anyone listening, because I think like lots of people, we know how lovely that relationship will be, but we might have to make sacrifices. I have a really good judgment now, which must be what happens to people when they've had children. Well, when I get offered a job, I think, is it worth leaving my puppy for? Yeah. And that includes whether it's an hour out of the house or if it's going to be two weeks away. And um, I'm really lucky that um, other people in my family have got dogs. So when I do have to go away, I can take my dog there and he has company and other dogs. It's like he goes and stays with his cousins, basically. I love it. I I belong to... I I feel like I I bring it up constantly Mm. now, but I don't think I do. But I belong to a website called borrowmydoggy.com. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I use that because, again, it's that exact thing of uh, when I am about... Mm. I'm the perfect situation to yes. have a dog because yeah. I'm at home a lot. Mm. I'm doing my own work. I can go out. I can take an hour's walk. Yeah, and it's good to get choice. out of the house, isn't it? Because yeah. the other thing is, if you're if you have to do work at home, the thing that makes you leave the house in any weather and get your face rained on and not be looking at your phone, you go, oh, that's the most therapeutic thing I could have done. Yeah, it's constant. I love watching a little dog just sniffing around bushes and running after a ball. I think yeah. it's really good for the heart. Yeah. yeah. I completely. I've 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 found a dog. I've borrowed a few, a few, and I found one yeah. recently that's only like a twenty, a fifteen minute walk away from me. Perfect. So it's the perfect kind mm. of at any point. I'll be like, "Is Mac about?" Yeah, like, yeah. You can take oh, him over the park. Like, All right, that's I'll, so I'll nice, isn't it? But I did wonder though. On a darker note, has there been a has anyone been murdered yet? via the Borrow My Doggy app. You see, that's what I wonder, because as soon as I posted about it, people were like, oh, do they do checks and this and that? It's like, well... No, it's all the no, trust system. relax a little yeah. bit. Because, again, there I is think a, so. it's weird that the world's changed. Cause of course. Because when I was growing up, the, there was a lot more that was just, nah, that'll be all right. Of course. We'll be fine. But also, it would be such a weird, convoluted thing. If you wanted to if you wanted to rob someone, your first thought wouldn't be, I'll go around and take their dog for a walk. Yeah, yeah. If people want to rob you, they're going to do those kind of things anyway, aren't they? Yeah, completely. Yeah. So it's it's a weird one. But yeah, I'm, at any time I've posted about it, I've had some people say, mm. so what's the... What's the deal? Is there any? What's? Yeah. Are they checked? Are you vetted? Yeah. No, just. Also, someone crossed the road to tell me the other day. I, they didn't have their dog with them, but I did, and they they crossed over the road to kind of pet him, and they said, "All people who, who love dogs are good people." Which I don't know that's necessarily a scientifically proved fact, yeah. but I think there is something about people yeah, who this, want to take care there. of animals. Yeah. You see, I weirdly ev- everyone I've taken out. I don't know if this is normal on the website, but I've mm. I've, I've arranged to come round and meet them first. Yeah. So before I so rather than say oh I'll come round and take them out it's like yes. I'll come round on Monday and we'll and we'll meet yeah. and then l- later in the week best. I'll take them because yeah. it just feels you don't want, responsible. You don't, you but don't ever them to be worrying like who is this person and am I going home? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, there's a place in Enfield that I like. Um, that basically, it's these men who used to work at Battersea and they um, opened up a big doggy daycare centre on a farm. Wow. And then they also use the proceeds for that to adopt dogs that aren't going to get adopted. So they have somewhere to run outside and they train them. And um, so it's such a beautiful setup, and they don't let you just drop your dog off there. You have to go with the dog yourself and walk around the farm and meet right, everyone. That's brilliant. It's that the first time they go there, they've been there before, mm. and they know everyone. So I think it's so sensible. Yeah, mm. C- completely. I think in in general, it'd be good if I don't know again because it yeah, as on the idea of people who love dogs are good people. Mm. Not all people who get dogs 
love dogs no. and that's the problem with, or with who think dogs. think they can cope with it because yeah. um, I was really surprised so like I say the puppy when he came to me was eight weeks I was really surprised I'd never been around a puppy that young before I about how much he needed and um, you have to le- teach them every behavior that they should have learned with their mum and the other puppies so not only is it kind of obviously going to the toilet everywhere yeah at all times of the night but they also think they can eat everything including the wires for your Wi-Fi. Like, they've got this tiny little mouth with these little sharp baby <laughs> teeth. And um, it was constant. And luckily I could afford to have, like, a puppy trainer come around to the house. There yeah. were all these things I thought, what would you do if you were on low income? Because if I'd had to leave the house at nine every morning and come back, actually it would have been a horrific situation where I'd have been shouting at a dog or some people still believe that you educate a dog by scaring them, by being, yeah. like, a an authority figure, yeah. even though all the evidence shows you, you absolutely don't. It's just like children, you reward them when they do it right and exactly they learn really that, quickly. Yeah. But it's a luxury to be able to watch YouTube videos learning how to interact with your dog. Yeah. Like, it just needs time. Well, to have the time. I was going to say yeah. to have the time as well mm. to, to put any stuff on because I've said for ages now, I think, because any time there's any controversy about a, a dog att- a, a, attacking something and yeah. people saying, oh, this certain breed... Should have to be muzzled or whatever. Yes, yeah. I don't agree with that. I think yeah. people should have to do testing to yes. show that they're allowed to but have a like, dog. It's, but it's a bit like with um, negligent parenting. What you realise is they have to be supported in looking after the dog. So a little bit like with children. It's not like yeah. then punishing the owners because it always then ends up punishing the animal. Yeah, yeah. So if people want to have dogs... Unfortunately, we don't have this kind of society, but they should be really supported yeah. in their training of the dog so that... But then the it, dog isn't, I mean, yeah. it applies exactly to parenting as well because yes, it's yeah. the same thing. There's some the same awful, thing. there's some, <laughs> I literally yeah. almost said the sentence, there's yeah. some children that shouldn't have been born. But there's yes. some children that shouldn't have been born into the situations that they've oh, been absolutely. born into. That it's not fair on them of and not just. Not, so yeah. not saying they shouldn't have been born, that there should either have been more support or yes. something to go right. Yeah. I'm obsessed with this study um, by a man called, I'm sure his name's David Olds. And so they had... Um, they basically, it was, I think I'm pretty sure it was America, but if it wasn't, I'm, so I'm, I'm quoting, quoting everything wrong about it, but it's fascinating. What they decided to do was randomly get groups of women who were three or four months pregnant. Yeah. And, and the reason it was random is they wanted to see the difference in terms of people's ages or um, their income level. And they were trying to show that the states should support parents better. And so what they did is that these people had three or four times the um, the amount of midwife visits when they were pregnant. So this yeah. and so these visits included all kinds of health in terms of like relaxation or yoga or diet, mm-hmm. and they were taught in lots and lots of things that would, they would need to know when the baby came. So some of these mothers are single mothers who are teenagers. Some of them are married middle class women, yeah. and then they went back to those children at different stages in their lives. So that the 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 support carried on while the child was like one and two. And then they had no involvement. They found aggression levels when they were three and four were much, much lower in the children that had this support. And then when they were much older, what they know is how the the rates of mental health problems and criminality. And they found that the biggest results were in the low-income young mothers and their children were far less likely to have depression, bipolar or go to prison, which saves society so much money. And so they found out that for every dollar spent... On these midwife visits, they say they save society three dollars. Wow! 
Wow. So it's this amazing costing. That's amazing. But people yeah. think that that kind of like state mentality is wrong yeah. and there are some bad people. But actually, no, it has to be. If, you, if you're kinder to people, they then have the room or the knowledge to be kinder to their children. Yeah, completely. I mean, one of the things that I've always loved about your work is you'll regularly talk about challenging the the societal norms of how a relationship should be, how mm. parent, how all these different yeah. things should, should be. And it's it's kind of, it's 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 a, a similar thing there in that we have this societal norm of, oh, you just know. Like when you when you become a mum, you yes, just know. Yeah. You just know. It's like, that's a huge amount of pressure because number one, that's kind of believing in magic. Mm. It's, it's kind of, yes. you'll just know. But, yeah. but number two, it makes it even worse when you don't. When you don't. When it yes. happens and you don't, you feel yeah. that you're failing as a yes. mother, that you're a bad mother. And it's panicking. like, well, no. But also, it's mad to yes. think anything in the world that, well, when you start it, mm. you know, you don't go to pilots, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, when <laughs> you're up there, you'll know how to land. That's yeah. it, yeah. You'll figure there's, it out. There's you'll the know. buttons. Yeah. You'll feel natural. I it's think, crazy. and also, so much of it is economic. Yeah. That, that, that for mothers who worry about money, who worry, that, 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 the idea of people failing and how horrible that makes them feel about themselves. And then and then also if people do have kind of, you know, like rage, because yeah. people get that because of frustration. And if you have that with young children, you're in a vicious cycle of hating yourself and not being able, and then feeling judged by society and yeah. working three jobs and then having letters home from school saying, can you read more with your children? Yeah, completely. Yeah. And the fact is if you don't really know, if you're feeling lost, mm. then it's likely this isn't to put any pressure, yeah. but it's likely to have a negative effect on the child. Of Therefore, course. you're going to have a more difficult child. So you're going to yeah. have a parent who's Because you're going to have a symbiotic, yeah. And is a really troublesome child. A child, child who to needs more up. attention or a child who also is experiencing frustration and they don't know why they don't feel safe. Yeah. Of course, yeah. And it's, it's, so, it's right to, to, to flag it on an um, economic as well mm. because uh, one of the things that Rutger Bregman talks about when he's talking about a universal basic income is the studies he looked at in in, in Utopia mm. for Realists all showed that when you don't have to worry about the basics of yes. hunger yeah. and stuff like that, you can excel far more in... Because, again, his, I think the example he gave was if you're going into an interview, you want to be calm and you want mm. to be able to nail that interview and whatever yeah. else. If you've not slept death. that night yeah. and you, and and you've and you're hungry and you're mm. worried about this, you're not going to perform well. Yeah. and that's well, the same. Or with even if, like if you're going into a job, going if I don't get this, yeah. I can't eat tomorrow. Yeah, that, that's too much pressure. When they say, "Why do you want this job?" You're like, "Because I'm hungry," yeah. not yeah. because you I have you feel it. that you have choices in your life. Yeah, I think that I think um, the more that people find out about universal basic income, and also the more studies that they do, because they have to do test groups yeah. to prove to people. This isn't going to cost society any more money. It came to mind because of what you were yeah. saying about the the the, the midwives. Is that yeah, yeah, everything you spend, you save so much money on healthcare, yes. on policing, yeah. on all sorts of but other that's things. That's the trouble with the the political system that most countries have, including us. Is a binary system where there is never a kind of what they call it, like a, a group party initiative, where they all group together and go, yeah. "We have to do this for twenty years, and that's when society is going to see a benefit." Yeah. They just they uh, they dismantle what the government before have done. Yeah, yeah. Or they think I'm not going to get elected on that ticket. We're Tories. We can't say <laughs> this is yeah. eventually going to make us more profitable as a society. Completely. And people love to highlight the issues or potential challenges, and they and it's it's something that a few people have have highlighted. But it's they'll always highlight the challenges or problems as if we're in a system that works. Yeah. So oh, oh that wouldn't yes. be ideal. That's yeah. like. 
Because it's suddenly be flaws. What we've got now isn't ideal. That's the reason we're looking at it. Of course there's going to be issues and challenges. But I had an idea I had in a dream, which I keep thinking about, but I don't know the practice. There would obviously be problems with it. But what if every currency only existed for five years? I was trying to think of a system where... Um, there was a resetting where people, like universal basic income, had a, a, a lower level, which was kind of uniform, that, yeah. that everyone, no one ever sunk below it, yeah. but at the same time really allowed and rewarded people who want to work really hard and innovate or who are just amazing. So as in, it's, it's, not, trying to un, it's not trying to say people can't be rich. It's not trying to punish the rich with huge unfair, what they see as unfair taxing. Yeah. So I thought, what if you had every five years you have a brand new currency, everyone gets a certain amount of it, so everyone starts at the same amount, yeah. and then over five years people can really flourish, but obviously they're going to have to spend that money because it's going to stop existing. So you keep money moving around the economy. There's yeah. no point people saving it for themselves. You're going to have to buy stuff and yeah. services, and that means that that money's always moving around. That was my idea. But I haven't really... <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah. It, it kills me. There was a paper I read, and I, I used to know, it's similar, I used mm. to know the name of the guy Yeah, oh, it's so it was. annoying now. All my so, conversations like, oh, it's so interesting. I know I that someone will be yes. able to, to tweet me, because in a previous yes, episode, will. I would have had it accurate, because it would have been a f- fresher. But it was this economist who wrote about all this just before we went into um, the, the s- s- society... We've got now, or the the kind of economics that okay. we've got now, and his idea was that everything has. And this is honestly, it sounds stupid, mm. but the more you go into it, it's amazing that everything has a set price. So yes. he- headphones they have are ten pounds. Yeah. All headphones ever yes. are ten pounds. Yeah. That means that there's no benefit on making cheap crap because not why would you buy that? You'll buy the ten pound ones that are good. Um, of course, so, so, got, so the competitive nature, but then becomes quality because everyone's spending ten yeah, pounds on and, headphones, and, 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 and for you example, want them to choose yours. Yeah, for example, a plumber is yeah. f- fifty pound a day. Yeah, that means the ones that are busiest are the ones that are really good and yes. work really hard, and not the ones who say, "I'll do it." Anyway. I'll do it for twenty quid. You'd rather wait for the one who's a bit busier, but you you know that yeah, good quality. It's really good. It's really, really, really interesting. interesting. And yeah. The best example I've now just realised out of nowhere is Ryanair wouldn't exist. Because the only reason Ryanair exists is because it's cheaper than everyone yes, else. Everyone always loves to go online yes. and moan about it. But yeah. the fact is, when we look at the prices, we go, that's 45 quid, yes. though. Yeah. And the other one's 100 quid. Yeah. So if a flight to France was 70 quid, mm. that's it. That's how much it costs. I There's think, no. I wonder if people would really revolt because the, the median price that would be given would be probably a lot more in some instances than people think. As in for flights, they wouldn't be 45 Well, that's flights. the reason it was so heartbreaking to read because it can't yeah. come after capitalism. And it was yeah. written just before we got into the capitalism oh, world. It's like if we'd just started yes. with that, yeah. it feels like everything you can, can go through. Again, they're, they're, there's going to be ups and downs. But again, it just means... All stuff will have a higher quality. And also you're, not, you're not saying there isn't competitiveness in the market. You're no, just saying again, that's not quality and taste yeah. and style and, and, and I guess the, the thing that would be so revolutionary is housing. That yeah. p- people, houses would be what they are worth. Literally, yeah. square footage, um, how many windows, size of the garden. Exactly that. Yeah. All of that, that, that coming into it. And you would have had from the start a lot more houses built that were, again, uh, uh, the average quality would be higher because mm. why would you build like pay a builder yeah, to build yeah. a cheap shit house when you, it's going to cost the same as that really yes, nice one up the road because yeah. of the square footage and, that, and actually that's where it might become interesting like kind of state-owned or council housing yeah. that would be really interesting because all of those flats or houses would be worth something yeah 
yeah, when I was a teenager, I read a, read a book. <laughs> I read a book that was set on Mars, and it was a um, it was a moneyless state. So yeah. very similarly, I had this utopian idea that if everyone did. And it's before I obviously ever heard of Karl Marx, but if everyone did things because they wanted to yeah. and swapped and we had yeah. that kind of thing. But unfortunately, when you actually look back at a kind of pre-capitalist stage, it wasn't better. Yeah. <laughs> like people just did, There were people who had absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's tough because, yeah. again, all of these things, they're so easy. Ev- everything, m- most ideas at some point have been used poorly in history oh, by yeah. humans. Oh, and it's, yeah. it's, and it's, it's like communism. You can go, oh. communism, look at communism. No, they're even yeah. like, no, communism... As a as system, it can work. Oh, so that's it. So the we, corruption of we, it by we, humans. Or, oh, yeah. Also, I think it's the enforcing of it. If if you enforce any idea on what, or philosophy on on a person, even on a singular person, it's pure evil. Yeah. Because it doesn't allow for human freedom and choice. So it doesn't matter how beautiful your ideal is. If we did communism at university, and but we were taught it with the understanding that it was set up. It was um, inspired by communes, like mm-hmm. communes in Britain, and yeah. obviously the lev- levelers and the diggers, and those. Um, things only really worked when you had a tribe size that kind of fit with the nature's tribe size of about 150 people. The minute you got too big as a commune, you completely collapse because you need a dictator. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole thing, it's like you can you can compromise with a group of human beings. You absolutely can. But once there's too many human beings, you need someone in control and telling people what to do, and then it's not communism anymore. Completely. I mean, it's a crazy one. It's 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 all stuff that it's exciting to be sitting here because it's all stuff that you can't discuss on Twitter. Because oh, it's just too, it's not nuanced dis- enough. You can't have any discussion on Twitter. Because there was yeah. a thing a while back where I was like, the the there are ways that a dictate. This is going to sound mm. crazy, but that a dictatorship can work. Yeah, because there's well, do, it's one yeah. v- v- vision, and the fact is, the difference. The reason it came to mind was the current political system doesn't allow for any real change. It oh. allows for slight leans either way yeah. when the, the, the people in power are oh, different. if you got rid of Whereas elections... If then, there was a yeah. dictatorship, you get overthrown because yes. it's not good and then there can be huge well, change. Well, well, that's but, it. So the idea of a benevolent dictator I've always found fascinating. So there's two really... And these are things that you'll um, be close to your heart as well. So there's two things that are not popular um, in terms of people, vo- voters. So politicians can't support them. One of them is the decriminalisation of sex work and one mm-hmm. of them is the legalisation of drugs. Yep. And they're two things that... Absolutely everyone who talks with any kind of education around those topics knows they are actually better. They're problematic areas. Inarguably yes. improving. Yeah. yeah, but but they, they're these, these two massive things, and yet it's, it's, we're not going to get a prime minister who suddenly goes, do you know what I'm really educated and informed about? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. can actually say in an absolutely unequivocal way this will make this, – this re- reflects people's human rights yeah. and will support people better. Yeah. And if, if you doubt it and if you're scared, let me tell you why you're – like it yeah, would be explain. so brilliant. Yeah, yeah, let me explain it to you. It would need a dictator to go, I don't care what you think. <laughs> we're going to do it. Yes. And then you'll see in five years how yeah. silly – it's going to be yeah. like the also, smoking ban. we're going to do it. Don't question me. Yeah. It's going to be like the smoking ban. <laughs> yes. There's going to be up for and then you'll yeah. go, oh, it actually didn't make a big difference ne- negatively and it's really, everything's a lot nicer now. Yeah. It's really it's, good for us all. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bizarre one. I think that's even the role of the state in kind of, and the, the Brexit is the prime idea because it's no one's role to be educational. There isn't, I often think, what about if there were just like, just resources? Because they do have the research. Yeah. They, they have access to informed people. But there isn't any kind of sharing of it because people kind of don't want a state to go, I'm an adult, don't tell me, don't try and make me understand yeah. the EU. Or, or Brexit is the prime example of everything. The, 
that yeah. we're discussing here of a decision mm. that shouldn't have been in our hands as as a yeah. as a public, uh, yeah. or at that point in particular, absolutely, because we just didn't have enough information. So oh, I don't care about the arguing about. I voted this way, you voted that way. All yeah. of you voted in ignorance because yes. none of you knew yeah. what the actual Brexit yes. that you were voting I, for I, was. I feel like it's like um, someone asking if you wanted a pie, yeah, but they didn't tell you what was in it. Yes, yeah. so, yeah, so it could yeah, be yeah, shit, yeah. or it could be yeah. like apple or yeah. m- uh, mincemeat. But but so basically, you go, do I want a pie or not? And pie means after, pie. Pie means pie, and then afterwards. <laughs> We'll find out what's in the pie. Yeah, it's like you can't you can't pretend it. You just yeah. literally took a gamble on something. Yeah, I mean it's risk. It's it's a tough one because pie is really bad. Like pie generally, like it's got a high rate. You of, could put of a delivery. severed head in it. I know, but so people are going. In my experience, all the pies I've had haven't had a severed head. Yeah. But this time I'm going. Come on. But then when you open it, it has yes. got a severed head, yeah. and you well, go, "Well, it's what we wanted. Yes, we did want pie. Yeah, um, yeah. It's Eat a, your pie. <laughs> exactly. Uh, did you see the documentary? Three Identical Strangers. No. I'm rewinding back a little bit now. It's fascinating, and there will be some spoilers here, but basically in the 80s, these two guys met, or no, a guy went to a university, and everyone was like, all right, good to see you. And he was like, what? And then it turned out he had an identical twin there. Oh, and it was an identical twin he'd never met. It was an identical twin (gasps) he'd never met, and it was in the papers, and then a third kind of said, saw the picture, went, that's me. And all three of them met, and it was this huge news story. How were they separated? Um, well, that's what yeah. is the spoiler here, oh, which okay. is I'll, I'll give it because yes. it's just it's fascinating and it's for what we're talking about. Yeah. Because the thing that the only thing that annoyed me about the story, the documentary, mm-hmm. is they quite rightfully went and followed the outrage because it was genuinely a social experiment. Oh, it was. Tri- tri- triplets had been taken away by or had been put up for adoption, and, and so they decided to, yeah. to put one in a working-class yeah. family, one in a more middle-class, and one in an upper-class yeah. family, and see the differences. Which so is completely unethical. It completely is completely unethical. But that was the thing it's that the annoyed thing me. It's you'd love to be able yeah. to do. So, so <laughs> well, that's it. Down. The whole yeah. documentary quite rightfully went down the route of how disgusting is this mm. and the outrage and the trying to figure out, and yeah. there's tonnes of twists and turns I won't go into. But the thing that annoyed me was, well, now it's happened... Let's at least look at the results a little bit more. Because as I said, as a, as a but the study, tr- but the it's fascinating. With, with it's it's unethical. But, but, but the trouble with one set of triplets is actually no matter what happened with them, you can't really deduce anything because it's only really true. That's why you have to have big groups. Yeah, a lot of triplets so have, stolen but, from but, their but families. I, I often think about it. You know that brilliant book, Never Let Me Go, and the idea that once they get work out how to clone yeah. all of us can have clones that if we need organs or healthy things yeah. they can get it directly from right, them yeah. um, and it's such a spooky sad thing because obviously our clones would feel like people yeah. <laughs> and they would have emotions and it would be incredibly cruel so it, that book deals with it so exceptionally well but there is another thing with that in the cloning thing is that when we could then just clone twins i was yeah. thinking when i was writing my book about people that so it hasn't been proven scientifically in any meaningful sense that pornography is damaging for children to watch. Mm-hmm. Most people, the majority of people, feel intrinsically, well, it must be. Or, yeah. they, or you have individual case studies where someone will say, actually, it was traumatic or it did ruin my sex life or for whatever thing, but there, it hasn't been proven with a wide-scale wide study. And now lots of the people who watched porn as children are old, as in they're in their late 20s, yeah. and they still they haven't found a study that proves it yet. So I was thinking the only... 
you would have to have twins. You would have to get twins yeah. and, and one of them would grow up in our society and the other one would have to grow up in some kind of utopian island where everything was yeah. the same but they don't have the internet. Yeah. And then, then you would have to test everything about them and their sexual performance and their sexual feelings and their attitudes to the opposite sex, etc., etc. And, yeah, it's completely unethical. <laughs> so it's, you, you'll I never be able to do it. I think about that kind of thing all the time yeah. and aware because that was it oh, with this documentary. I was like, it's completely unethical. In terms of their lives, yeah. So in terms of their lives, did you deduce anything in terms of? So presumably, so two of them got got to the same university. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or that was it. One, I think one had dropped out, and Mm. then the other one was going there. Yeah. The next year, it was some weird. Yes. Yeah. Everyone was like, "Oh, you came back," and he was like, "What? What are you talking about?" And yeah. But yeah, it's 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 bizarre, but it's a it's a fascinating. Well, the other thing that's, that's very very unethical but fascinating, and obviously not if it happened to you, was when they used to with people who had were born with um, what they considered to be um, non typical genitalia, so either elongated clitorises or very small micro penises. When they just made them the other gender, right? Like, do you know about this? So there was no, all of this gender reassignment. I feel like it went up to the nineteen fifties. That what they would do is take the baby very quickly away from the parents and just kind of sort it out or sometimes parents were aware that they had children that were i guess on a chromosomal level one sex but but were brought up as the other because of misformed genitals i mean that's and they thought they thought they would and that but but they thought it was so interchangeable literally and it's the way that some come very essentialist people have an attitude to transgender people now if you've got a penis then you are a boy yeah and if it's mad. Can, it's really mad. It's, it's mad how they were so open to it being interchangeable th- th- then. But then it's yet th- there's such a resistance now to no, this is this, this is. Well, that's that. the thing. But it still it actually comes from exactly the same place, which is which is the only differential is your genitals. Like yeah. if you've got a vagina, you yeah. are a woman, and no one without one is allowed to be one. Or if you say you are a woman, we'll quickly get a vagina then, and then yeah. we'll believe you. Yeah, yeah, then we'll be okay with yeah. it. Then as we'll long go, as okay, we now can visually she is. <laughs> accept it. Yeah. It's bizarre. Um, I mean, you mentioned your book there, and that's one of the ex- ex- exciting things that's that's about to, ha- to come out. How's yeah. that been, and what's it about? It's, yeah. it's called... Sex power money. Yeah. So after, so I wrote a first book, and the first book, in a way, was much easier for me to write. Or I wanted to. There were loads of stuff that I wanted to know myself about, kind of um, evolution and female sexuality. And I'd read a few studies about things, or learnt some stuff about body fat that I kind of wanted to share. So it was a very personal book, and it was about how the female body evolved. But in it, I didn't deal at all with pornography, and. Even though like porn affects all of our lives, because it also affects the people around us, even if people don't watch or consume porn themselves. But I, I knew as I was writing Animal that th- I'm very naive about porn. I've never watched it. I'd seen it like three times in my life. I was aware that my boyfriends watched it. And I, I knew that all I knew about it was from feminism. And I could, I could kind of like in my peripheral vision feel that that wasn't the whole story mm. because realistically what it was is probably I could hear in the distance sex workers saying sex work is work. Yeah. And, but close up all I had was that um, feminism and that um, porn was degrading to women. It degraded them in terms of society and it made them just bodies and bits of bodies. So my second book, my thing was to try and, it's mostly about pornography. It's it's some some about sex work, and I interviewed people because obviously I have no experience. Mm. But I again wanted to look at it from a biological perspective. So I, I was really interested in the science of arousal, and I guess 
with this book, I, I was so aware that it wasn't just about women. That yeah. it, it's so much of it. So, it, so it's really about kind of male sexuality. There's lots of things that um, are kind of, I guess, um, that we, we've heard and then we believe, like the idea that men are much more visually aroused than women. So I'd heard that so many times. Yeah. Men are much more visually aroused. Men men know instantly if they fancy someone just by looking at them. That's why men consume more porn. And that's kind of um, an, an incontrovertible fact. Like in every single country that has the internet, men watch more of it, a bigger variety, more regularly than women, yeah. even though it's changing. And again, that's not to say that women don't watch it no, or don't and so on and so, so, so forth. Again, it's, it's a generalisation. It says yeah. nothing about the individual, yeah. but, it, but in terms of in general. And that's fascinating because then because I wanted to find out, well, why? Is this a biological truth or is it because um, there are people who argue, oh, women have been taught to be ashamed of their sexuality, female sexuality has been oppressed for so long. Sure. So, so I was really in- intrigued about what research there had been. So that's the book and it took much longer for me to write than Animal. And I, if I'm honest, I didn't want to finish it because every time I learned something or spoke to someone, I was like, there's still so much more to learn. But you do have to kind of stop at some point, not yeah. answering lots of the things that I wanted to know. I really wanted to know if... Um, I had this idea that empathy must decrease with arousal. There are some studies that show similar things. Right. They get um, they, It's a really interesting study. They got men to masturbate but not to come, and then they asked them questions. They asked them the same set of questions before and after. Right. So they would ask them things like, would you get someone too drunk so they agreed to have sex with you, all the way up to would you have sex with an animal, all these different kind of things. Yeah. And, and so they asked them the quiz first. They got them to masturbate to halfway, and then they asked them the same questions again, and they found that, yeah, they were more likely to have sex with uh, someone underage more like to agree to having sex with an animal. That was like 4 or 5%, yeah. but it went from 0 to 4%. Yeah. But I was interested because there, there doesn't seem to be that much... Um, people don't pay for porn, or, and, and yeah. the majority of people... I did a, a thing with my mail app where I asked people, if you had to pay for it, like Netflix, £8 a month, you can still mm-hmm. look at everything. It's still going to be so novel. Yeah. There's still going to be 54 years' worth of content on there. I'm not limiting your pornography. I'm saying, will you pay for it? And they all said no. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's bizarre, and I think it's, I think it's ruinous. Yeah. I, and, I, and, I, and I heard this idea that, because people masturbate, and some of the people literally then go, I don't want to think about it again. Yeah. And I was fascinated in the idea that people have, people masturbate regularly to stuff that they don't identify as their sexual preference. Right, Do you yeah. see what I mean? So someone might be, and I, the idea that you might be very isolated, you might be in a, in a marriage, but you might masturbate to a certain kind of porn but never speak to your partner about them about that because yeah. they might go what you're into old people and you go no it just makes me come so that was what i was trying to research and it's an area that is so um non-exhaustive but i have finished it and then what i did is i did i've done eight interviews as a podcast of people because i really wanted as well you're so aware of people who don't have enough of a platform in our society yeah. and i really didn't want to talk on anyone's behalf about porn or yeah, sex work so instead what i've done is interviewed some people amazing yeah this is fascinating and it's so interesting psychologically there's so much i want to jump into there but the first i think is like i i get a lot of praise on the podcast for these honest and open interviews and it's generally all my my guests who are being honest and open yeah. but it, it was interesting to hear the um the thing you were, were saying there about people want to watch it and then f- as soon as they've come p- yes. pretend it didn't happen yeah. it's, it's interesting because i pay for a lot of my porn. Yeah. I don't pay for all of mm. it, um, but I pay for a lot. But there's so many w- w- ways to pay now, and there's ways w- where you can do Patreons or subscribe to certain yes. sites. Yeah. I don't subscribe to any, 
but I feel comfortable paying for a one-off thing. And I yeah. think that's a similar thing. That if yeah. I'm subscribing, yeah. I'm having to face it. And it's this, going, even though it's better value because it's a Netflix kind of yes. system, but yeah. I'm more comfortable going, in this moment, I want mm. to watch that. It's eight ninety nine. I will pay for yes. that. Rather yeah. than go, I'll pay £10 a month yeah. and I get to look and at this. And I'm linked to this forever. And that's fascinating. Yeah. I'd, I'd never really thought really about what the pay, psychology behind it was. I think it's really great that you pay in general. I think what people like about, well, there's two things. And, it, and the law's about to change here in terms mm. of people are going to have to put in their bank details, yeah. their credit card details, whether they're paying for it or not, just yeah. to prove their age. But so there's two things. It's the anonymity. People feel really free to go... To, from one thing to another thing to another thing to another suggestion because at no time are you you actually... You're feeling it's, yeah. Yeah, you're going, yep, I've made a decision about this and myself because of it. And the other side of it is I, I, I think pe- we have such stigma around sex in general. It becomes even more amplified when people are paid to have sex and people don't think they deserve to be rich yeah. and they do deserve to be rich. It should Clearly. be like in, in any other There's area the illusion life, that, that porn or sex workers don't pay... T- Taxes. Tax, yeah, well, they, they all do. do. They all pay their taxes. But, but They're legitimate yes. b- b- business men and women. They absolutely are. And But what's terrible is that, I mean, in our country and in America, the things like not being allowed to have bank accounts, that yeah. the companies all have to be hidden, the idea that you're not allowed to make money from sex. Yeah. Um, or or the, 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 the continual banning and shadow banning on Instagram of sex workers. Yes. Instagram is built off beautiful yes. people and looking at beautiful yeah. people. They have the functions for gambling companies yeah. to have to click an ID thing, mm. an over-18 thing. Why can't sex workers yes. have that option? Say, all right, yeah. well, don't kick me off. Just make my page over 18. Yes. You've got the functionality yeah. there. Because they have, as I said, they protect against gambling in that way. Yeah. Why is gambling more acceptable and legitimate yes. than, than and also in this, natural in this, desires? In this day and age, to, yeah, to have that much of a kind of... And it's Victorian. And I think it is... Um, I think it's a very serious breach of people's rights to freedom of speech. Quite often when they're taking down strippers or sex workers' Instagrams, they're often quite politically active, yeah. controversial contrarians. Like that's what's exciting about them. And when, if anyone does follow anyone like that, you'll realise there's a wisdom, there's a different view on society. It's not just pictures of sexy butts. Yeah. Like There are pictures of people with sexy butts that are nothing to do with the sex industry. Yeah. And then they just disappear it. They take a whole... There are so many people who don't live in cities who don't have a connection. So and enabling people to connect online is a is a is a human right. Yeah. And when they just they disappear, then they don't tell them why they've taken their Instagram away. There's no recourse. Yeah. Um, it's a very serious thing that people can, including myself, a stripper explained it to me because I was like, ah! and she's like, no, you have to talk you through why having tens of thousands of your followers disappeared and having to start all over again is actually massive. Well, from a business yes. point of view, I've got friends yeah. who have had business appointments and trips cancelled because they've lost their page because they're models. Because yes. they're, 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 yeah. part of the thing is, well, well, well we're going to fly you out for mm. this event or this thing for you to share. It's the same as any marketing. So to remove yeah. that is a big deal. It's not just, yeah. I it, like it's, having it's followers re- and it makes me feel no, good. It's like, no, this is part of my business. It's removing their ability to make money, which we consider in, in our capitalism, a human right. Yeah. You're not allowed to, I found a lot of this out when we were trying to set up a union of comedians, you're not allowed to boycott a comedy club because you are then taking away someone's ability to make money, as in because right, comedians are actually the, the product that they sell. 
And I was like, wow, I had no idea. But of course, of course you can't take away someone's right to a living. Um, it's like they can't just shut the roads. Yeah. Because then a supermarket can't get their goods yeah. that they sell, things like that. And if you take away someone's Instagram, that is what you're doing. It's, you're it's, creating a, a, boy, a boycott or yeah. Yeah, closing the roads. It's a really interesting roads. one because I've kind of I've discussed it a, a lot with friends in, in, in that industry. And it's a tough one because I do think we forget that Instagram is – a private company, company and, and it's individuals. Yes. So they've got a right to make choices. But the problem is yeah. they've they've also got a responsibility to go, it's fair to say, well, we're scared about kids mm. seeing things that they shouldn't be seeing. That's perfectly reasonable, yes. I think, as a company. Yeah. But deal with that via age verification yes. and stuff like that, not oh, via getting rid of the people say, who built your site. I would say the other way because I think the idea that, about protecting children is, is is the exact wrong way to look at it. Because going back to what we were talking about before, if children are well supported by society, yeah. as in at every age they get to, there is um, education, discussion, safe spaces in terms of what the world contains. Because so the world contains lots of stuff that isn't Father Christmas. It contains political beheadings. It contains sex. Yeah. It contains a, a variety of sexual behaviours. There are all these things that you think, oh, there's an appropriate age to learn it. And, yeah, it's going, it, it, and it might be traumatic when you realise, oh, we all die. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's things, and, um, and it's about how we as a society support those children not going, you can find out when you're 18. They're going to find out before that, all of those things, because of the internet. Yeah. yeah and, and that's 100%. the thing, it should, the focus should always be on not on making sure... Because I think also if children don't have phones before they're 11 or 12, mm. we're not looking at protecting five-year-olds from sex workers. We're yeah. looking at children who are going to be so curious about those things. They're going to find them out. Anyway. <laughs> they're going be to be being educated as it is. Yeah, yeah. They, just, they just need other informed adults to be making sure they've got uh, the whole spectrum of information. Yeah, it's a fascinating one because I think that the problem with, I mean, we've touched upon the two examples you gave earlier is sex work and drugs. The biggest problem is ignorance on all of them. And, yeah. and my brother highlighted a few few years back, he kind of said the, the most damaging thing or one of the most mm. damaging concepts in society is common sense because oh, it allows yeah. us to just assume that we know well. Yeah. And, and, and that's really bad in the sex industry because an example, and it's something I've learned in recent years from my partner is a sex worker. Oh, okay. And what yeah. people don't understand is that sex work is a term for... People who who escort, mm-hmm. people who strip, but also people who model, or, yeah. people, or even photographers in the industry so the come down as sex work, I was, and so, that's where yeah. people just see sex work and go, "Well, it's prostitutes, it's illegal." It's yes. like, no, it's, it's a, also, so many other things yes. in the area it can also, be modelled and all sorts. Sometimes of. people think they don't. I, so this is an area I was incredibly ignorant about, yeah. and I'm now trying to learn a, mo- a lot more about because I would have definitely fallen into your first area of like I knew escorting. Completely. But I didn't know. Same. So most people think they don't know a sex worker. They definitely do. They yeah. know someone who, and it, some people, it might have been at university. It might be now. Yeah. The majority of people who sell sex are mothers. It's something like 80%. Um, it, there'll be one person that, that, yeah. that, that they, they might occasionally have a, a transactional relationship with. Yeah. Marriage, historically, has always been a form of sex work yeah. because uh, women didn't have a way of making their own living. They were reliant on a man, and they were kind of there was. There's all these different forms of it. I think yeah. people have to understand. Um, th- there's people, crisis and shelter are doing campaigns about it because we we have this term which is like sex for rent, 
yeah. at the moment and then the government recently were asking people about it but actually it's a form of desperation which has always existed mm. where we've got a lot more homeless men than women and the reason is quite often a woman can trade her erotic capital for somewhere to stay whether that's dating someone wow. she doesn't care about yeah. whether it's i had a friend who lived in a man's house and he had uh, he gave a very very cheap rent and he liked to masturbate in her room there, there are all these forms of it yeah. and and actually um again it's, it's stigma and it's fear that we yeah. have and or we have a deep-seated idea that it must be very harmful to somebody because yeah. um, what i realized was that quite a lot and it's what happens with feminism you want to protect people from things you wouldn't want to happen to you so it can come from a really nice place you go i don't want um sex work to be decriminalized because i actually think some men are really abusive to women yeah. And it was me learning, oh, and you make those women much more in danger when you make it illegal or criminal to do those behaviours. 100%. It's, you make it's, them more vulnerable. You're not so helping them. It's so easily comparable to drugs mm. in that the easy example, the easy example I had, I had um, Neil, oh God, I've, I've forgotten his surname, um, okay. a, a, a policeman on, um, yeah. a former p- a policeman, the, he, he works with Leap UK. Um, and the way he described it was if you are worried about your children having exposure to drugs, then mm. the best solution is to legalise it. Yeah. Because it's easier to get drugs for a 15-year-old than to get alcohol. Yeah. Because to get alcohol, you have to go into a shop yeah. and have ID. Yeah. The guy in the park isn't asking for ID yeah. on your alcohol. And certainly with sex work, the nasty, horrible people aren't mm. going to be like, oh, it's illegal, I'd best not do that. But yes. if, there, if there was yeah. legalised versions of yes. safeguards and all sorts yeah. of other things, and it's similar, it's where this new porn yeah. legislation is coming in. It is putting sex workers in greater danger because on the escort side of things, it's the internet where they can have some kind of barrier and vetting yes, which and Which is why safety. Foster and Sisters had such a terrible, um, in America, yeah. um, uh, it's been very persuasively done. I mean... There, there was a podcast I was listening to. It was Re- Reply All, I think, and and basically uh, one of the women who spoke to Trump's government about um, back pay back pages mm. where sex workers were advertising yeah. for clients is that there were there was also trafficking going on, and her sixteen year old daughter was like murdered on her birthday. Yeah. So it's the worst thing you've ever heard. Like it's the most yeah. horrific thing. Underage sex isn't sex; it, uh, it's rape. It doesn't matter if you're paying for it or not. So, she, so, and that's the word trafficking. Kind of, so obviously, so emotive, so awful. But they created a law which has made people, adults selling sex, so much more vulnerable because, as you say, yeah. they used to be able to from home look up people's Facebook, check their car registration. They, they had so many tiers of checking, and now if you're working outside, quite often it's a split second. Of, of judging, do I feel safe with this person? Has yeah. my alerts gone off? Is my, is my, the hairs come off my arms where I go, something's dodgy here. Yeah. But people, that, that one story is so persuasive about a 16-year-old girl being trafficked and yeah. av- advertised online that you think, well, that's then, yeah. That's it. I mean, as said, though, you and it's right, it's, it's something that people on both sides of, of the argument have to remember is it's normally trying to come from a positive place. As people said, are good. When people, people are getting are good. angry, yeah. The sex workers are getting furious over it. It's understand that a lot of the people who are against this, are, 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 again, not realising that 
prostitution and, and sex trafficking are two yes, different things. It's not different. the and same One of them world. will always be illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, not like, saying, like, oh, that's okay. Like um, uh, for and, someone and, who's overage to have... Yes, yeah. the reason we call it like a statutory rape, we use the word rape when it's a child who we consider not old enough to give their consent. That's always the law. It doesn't affect consenting sex. Yeah. It has nothing to do with adults having sex with each other. Yeah. And that's, again, the same separation, which is why, and I'm sure you completely agree with me, and I hope your listeners do too, it's like all of this stuff... We just have to be talking about it more. Completely. It has to be a really... And the same with the drugs. There's so many things that ignoring them is making it worse. We, yeah. have, to, we have to be more engaged with it. Even yeah. if our... First of all, like, you might have an emotional reaction going, I just... I think prostitution must be wrong. But that doesn't mean you don't think about it more or listen to a sex workers podcast or read there's so many books and resources for yeah. people to actually even if they feel like they don't know anyone you can hear a different perspective yeah 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 completely and it's 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 smashing those taboos essentially it's stopping them being taboo and in every way um an example i can think of is when the louis ck stuff came out and people kept talking about how creepy it is that he wants to masturbate in front of someone it's like yeah. That's not the issue. His yeah. his, his turn on isn't yes. the issue. That's yeah. people can be turned on by oh, wherever on. Well, the like, issue yeah. is that if he didn't have consent, if of this course. or that, it's and not the, the power oh, Imagine that creepy old yes. man doing that. It's like, yeah. no, don't say that because yeah. that's making a taboo of what someone's into. Isn't that's it interesting their private... how, how you can remain sex positive and also go the whole thing of lots of people who have different. I love the phrase um, like "don't yuck someone's yum." Yeah, about, yeah, about yeah, sort yeah, of that's kink great. shame. Yeah. Go, don't yuck someone's yum because again, we we're all kind of very emotive creatures, and you can emotionally yes. naturally do that, but don't yeah. put it online because yeah. again, it's perfectly fine and as well to go. It. Oh, that's yeah. not my thing. And but... also, some people you'll be speaking to, you literally have you have shamed them to go. Oh, if that's your thing, most people who have a, a variety of kinks, are, the, the, cons, the, the consent, rolling consent, is all such an important part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, including actually with lots of pornography that's made, like that, yeah. that, understanding that that's part of it, yeah. that you can be a porn worker and there's still some acts on the day that you don't consent to or don't want to do, and it might be things you do on other days you do feel like doing and them. Like, similarly, a power yes. dynamic yeah. and all things mm. like that, where it can be. Uh, uh, but, but again, again, yeah. there's there's the there's the ignorance. People think of porn mm. and don't realise that because of the damage that. Pornhub and free porn did. Yes. There's so much porn now made that is the individual performer yeah. being their own yes. producer, mm. uh, cameraman, yeah. everything, doing it all themselves and being the person selling it, which yeah. in many ways is a, a positive thing because that yes. means you're going yeah. the, the, the direct, the profit mm. is going direct to the person mm. involved. So porn equally isn't as black and white as oh, the studios and men exploiting no. women to make yes. money. So, well, actually, again, some people are made more vulnerable by like, the gonzo porn, the, 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 yeah. the people who can prey on an individual the first time they uh, decide to make porn. The other side of it, I interviewed um, Anna Arrowsmith. I don't know if you know her, but she, no, she was Britain's first female pornographer wow. under the name Anna Spann. And she had all of her work stolen um, and then couldn't afford to keep running her company. And so she was in that very wow. – it's the same business model as an independent film company yeah. who went, I could have made incredible things, but um, yeah. essentially I had £30,000 worth of like what I should have got in profit stolen from me by, as you're kind of talking about, the tube sites. Yeah. So I couldn't afford to make any more. Yeah. So it, you just literally shut off what might have happened and flourished. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fascinating to see what people see as acceptable to steal – because again, the fact yeah. that you said that all these people asked and everyone's saying yeah. I wouldn't, I, I had an yeah. argument uh, uh, with a with someone on Twitter because mm. I said I can't remember 
or what I said, and they just said, I watch, I watch my porn for free. And I said, well, yeah. you should support porn. Yeah, right? you should do, do this, yeah. blah, blah. And he came back quite fairly, really, going, dude, I'm 15. Oh. As soon as I'm old enough. And I was like, I literally oh. I didn't know what to say. I was like, dude, yeah. I'm 15. As soon as I'm old enough, I will. But for now, you know I can't. What? And I was if, like, if we, all right, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. Then, really. 15, fair enough. You I can can't really lift. argue But it's this. like shoplifting, isn't it? If a, if a 15 old is shoplifting um, cigarettes, or no, I know yeah. you can't get cigarettes, but something, you go, okay, fair enough. Yeah, but then if you're 25, you can you can pay now for your sandwiches. I, I really tweeted yeah. the thought he can't reply to this in any way, and he just yeah. came back going, "Dude, I'm 50." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah all right." Also, it wouldn't be we, we all be so much nicer to each other if we assumed everyone else on Twitter was 15. <laughs> We'd be so sweet if you always if you always thought, "Hang on, 100%. I don't need to tell, I don't need to shout at that person, I don't need to block that." It's just like they're 15. I'm I'm I've had a realization that because I'm and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm a I'm still a big fan of wrestling. I think oh, wrestling yeah. is really good fun. Yeah. And there was a period where I'd see there's a few pages I follow on mm. Instagram and some comments would be stupid and I'd go to argue. Then I'd go, they're 15. They're 15. It's a 15. Yeah. I'm I'm the weird adult that's watching this yes. thing that, that shouldn't be getting angry. And yeah. it stopped so much anger on those yeah. sites. It's like, okay, you're allowed to be yeah. a Wally. But also it's, re- it's remembering that nothing useful <laughs> often can come out of the discussion. Yeah. I especially think, because you, you have a podcast, you get to outline how you think you get to have like big discussions like beat by beat and, and thought by thought and some people don't have that ability yeah. so that's why online a forum or a thread that is their chance to do it yeah. I always think I would stand up if I think something if I have a response to what someone's tweeted I can go and talk about it that night on stage to people yeah. and so I never feel you've got that I, outlet yeah I, and, it, it was, and again it's like Luxury. I feel so lucky to have it, and I know people blog, and some people create their own content to do that, or they u- yeah. vlog and they YouTube and stuff. But it must be so hard if you just no one is listening to you when you're going. I think that film is racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why, why, why is no one it? listening Everyone's to me? Saying great yeah. things about it. It's yes. really racist. It's, like, it's actually not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned a, a live, and one of the mm. things I wanted to talk about is your is your lads, lads, lads mm. tour and show. Yeah. Um, Tell me a bit, a bit about it. Um, so, it, because you've done some. I'm, yeah. I'm interrupting now, but just yeah. to give the, yeah. the the shows I've seen have been some wonderful ones where you're dissecting history yes. and history from a woman's point of view yeah. and where how where feminism yeah. comes into it, things like that. So, this one looks interesting because, in a way, it seems more personal because it's it's yes. not looking or it's looking at very recent history yeah. in many ways well, well, do you know what part of it my stand-up changed or especially what i wanted to put into a show changed when i started writing books because the history show became the book animal and then yes. suddenly every day i had this kind of outlet for serious thoughts and the books are still like funny but not like but and stand-up in a way became a much more flippant space for me that I, I, I now touch stuff with a, a lightness that I really... It's like I have this yin and yang, which I f- is really healthy for me, that I'm really serious in the day. And like we've been talking about kind of yeah. u- universal basic income. But if I was going to do a joke about universal basic income, like I've got a joke about veganism in Lads Lads, which is me doing an impression of a penis inside me. And that, that it's so silly that yeah. you, there's in no way would be like a lecture about veganism. There's no point made by it. Um and so it's been really enjoyable for me now because yeah. I have this place where I can be really serious so I don't have to be serious at work anymore. It's fascinating because it goes back t- to outlets. Yes. Again, you've found yeah. a different outlet mm. for the more serious yes. stuff and now yeah. you've got an outlet for... Yeah. and an appropriate outlet because the thing with comedy, and obviously people use it in a variety of different forms, but it is supposed to be funny. Yeah. And I know that some people love the comedians that are much more kind of informed or educational, but I sometimes feel 
my fear was always like never become a lecturer. Yeah. Someone who goes, we need to have universal basic income. Yeah. Capitalism has been torn down. I mean, Here's why. <laughs> I mean, oh, we're going to talk about uh, your new Dave show at the end. Yeah. So, okay. So there's an irony there. Literally yeah. lectures. Yeah. But actually, <laughs> comedians very, giving lectures. Very silly lectures, though. No one actually. Actually, one person did. One, one of my favorite episodes, a comic. Um, because they could do whatever they wanted with their titles. They're all titles of very famous TED Talks. Right. And, uh, and, and, they, and some people uh, did attempt to kind of put it like a TED Talk and other people completely didn't. But one person I did. I love it. Uh, quite a that's serious. Describe, that's the concept. You've kind yes. of given comedians different TED Talk lectures yes. titles yeah. and they've gone, and, all right. Yeah, and then they go away and write them. Oh, and they, that's genius. It, I and love it, it. people did. It was really lovely watching how individual comics are. It isn't really, it's such a wide genre. Yeah. Which is obvious, but seeing people against each other made it really clear. But um, yeah, Jen Brister is a really brilliant political, angry comic. And she, her lecture, it was about. The one percent and and how they're getting richer and the political system is working for them and then had this kind of joke but it wasn't a joke it kind of seared through everyone about what happened after Notre Dame and what happened after yeah. Grenfell mm-hmm. and if you read it on the page you're like oh my god this this is a comedy show yeah. but the people in the room and they're a comedy audience but she got such an ovation for it because Amazing. in the midst of all of this she said something that was so astute and it was so powerful and brilliant it's, it's the beauty of, of- balancing light and dark, right? Exactly. The spoonful of yeah. sugar type mm. approach to go, right, now I'm going to have this, yeah. the impact of this is going to be all the grander yes. because we're messing about. It's yeah. why the right for comedians to joke about anything needs to be protected Absolutely. so so vehemently yes. because it is, it's like as soon as you start to censor that, mm. number one, it ruins the fun yeah. and number two, it ruins the impact that can be yes. had. Well, actually, there's a really good example of that. I mean, because I don't think it's just, it shouldn't just be comedians, but everyone, yeah. the, whole, the whole freedom of speech debate, but there was a year when then, and it was completely understandable that there was a, a charity that supports rape victims and they um, had all these key chains that they wanted comedians to have and essentially it was like a promise that you weren't going to do rape jokes and right. they and, and you can see why they they thought this would be yeah. a great idea um they said so let's let's have a rape joke free festival let's comics stop doing rape jokes and the people the reason people don't like rape jokes is it's, it's it seems to belittle be very flippant about something that sometimes yeah, is the most traumatic thing that ever happens to somebody yeah. and because rape jokes has been such a big part of comedy because it's one of the worst things that can happen to a human or that you can imagine so yeah. that's why it's been joked about it's not because people don't care about yeah, rape completely. it's actually a bit like how they joke about babies dying or someone like um, Anthony Jeselnik the reason he yeah. jokes about killing babies or dropping them down the stairs is because that's the worst thing you can imagine yeah um, uh, he's the, the, the best example because yeah. I've not played his jokes to anyone and them not laugh. They'll yeah. say that wasn't oh. really right, but he's, he writes well, he's them and perfect. structures them so well that yeah. it's like, here's the most offensive thing ever. You might go away and write a tweet saying how offensive this is, but you're going to laugh before you yeah. do it because it's so perfectly I do, I think written. He's it's one like, of my favourite comics. I think it's glorious yeah. how perfect his comedy is. Um, and for me, I feel like it's, um, it's cartoony. It, it, it's nowhere near the sense of what he's saying. It's a bit yeah. like why... Someone explained roasts to me because I was like, isn't it just calling women slags and being racist? They're like, yeah, but that's the language of it. Yeah. Like, that's the language is you yeah. say the worst things. And so, yes, yeah, so with the, the rape joke thing, I was trying to explain to the woman that, like, Bridget Christie can't do her show if you can't joke about rape. And Hannah Gadsby's yeah. show, Nanette, the most successful comedy show of all time, they would say couldn't happen. And, yeah. that's, and, that's, and that's a really complicated thing. I know they don't want bad jokes. They don't want... 
anyone in the audience will think rape isn't serious. They don't want people yeah. laughing about something that they're trying to... But as soon as you're taking it off the table, yeah. you're not treating it. It's, also, it's, it's saying it, sh- it shouldn't be talked yes. about, which, which, yeah. which again is really damaging, particularly in the situation yes. of rape, because it's yeah. making people feel that they can't tell their story. Exactly. Or, it should, or it even that be. a rape victim can't joke about their own experience. Yeah. We, we joke to reclaim quite often. Yeah. Um, I think... So again, it comes up to the thing like with the children. It's like, oh, society needs to change. Rape needs to stop, and then there won't be any rape jokes. Yeah. Um, when we understand rape better, we support the victims of rape or survivors of rape better. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do. Put our effort into that and worry less about. Yeah. Yeah, I really I like what Sophie Hagen does. Yeah. With her, her trigger warnings mm. of, of what, because again, I completely understand that if mm. it's there's countless subjects that if they've affected you personally yeah. you don't want to hear that yeah. on a night out yeah. um, and I, I get that yeah. but still that's not a reason for it not to exist that's no. a reason for you to not attend that particular also, set yeah I think especially with someone or like choose, Sophie Hagen what she was realising is that she wanted to attract a certain audience especially and Felicity Ward's similar actually she wants to talk about anxiety and mental health and that means that sometimes you might have to be more considerate of your audience yeah. um, and, there's, and there's lots of people who have that I don't do any crowd work because personally I don't I, d- I know how horrible it can be when you feel that being picked on by a comic yeah, who needs yeah. it to be funny. There's a form of bullying to it that some people just absolutely love. Yeah. Some comics flourish on it. I just don't do it. I mean, it also it also encourages uh, something that I feel is negative in where comedy has blown up so much mm. and it's become so mainstream. Mm. There's a lot of people who feel that it's perfectly acceptable to be part of the show. And yes. I think that can really derail comics. I've yeah. seen that, that really well, derail, so particularly different. personal sh- yes. shows. Where there's yeah. a personal show, it can be really yeah. kind of damaging yes. to have someone go, oh, yeah, shout exactly. something out. Like, yeah. No, not now. Yeah, and, and it irritates the rest of the audience. Even when they're, they're trying to, again, I've seen it when mm. people are trying to be positive and helpful and trying yeah. to just... I'm a good guy, this is all yeah. good, but it can derail Well, that's it. That's... So, yeah, cause I spoke about Hannah Gadsby a second ago. I went to see her show at the Soho Theatre, which was probably a year after I'd seen it in Edinburgh, and the, sh- the ending of the show, which is absolutely pivotal, and it's absolutely kind of pin-drop times a million in terms of how charged she and the audience are, and a woman shouted out, We love you! Which, as you say, comes from such a beautiful place. And then Hannah just went, Oh, I can't do the last line of the show. Like, you just... Well, just okay, it's and she, she just walked up. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't have specified it, but it's weird. I saw James Acaster in Brighton recently, oh, yeah. and he had a really similar thing where there was yeah. a pivotal point, and someone shouted out something positive, yeah. and it derailed. Particularly him knowing that the last half or yeah. third is really the most personal stuff mm. he's written. So it was still amazing. He yes. still did it, but yeah. I could tell as someone who knows James, yeah. I was like it's heartbroken because yeah. I was like. It's yes. ruined it for him. It's ruined it for him because, because you're watching a craftsperson. It's the reason people don't do it in plays yeah. is they understand that the, the, play, the experience of the play for everyone else involves um, kind of suspension of disbelief and believing. You don't want to remember you're in a crowd full of people. You want to just, uh, yeah, you want to go to a different plane where those people are real yeah. or, and, the, and the playwright is talking to you through them. And some comics use stand up like that yeah. um, I, James wrote something really funny on Twitter the other day about how could he do his stand up without the audience being there because he says after that night yes he says cause... he gets shouting a lot yeah. and it's so ridiculous because he is probably the primary craft person in comedy 100%. like he's he's so up there 
comics and audiences alike realise the quality of what he's doing. Oh, is is Netflix chosen an example of that? The fact that they're all woven, it's this amazing thing. So it's mad to think you'd be at the show and and not realise that we need to just sit back and make So I asked him, I said, so why is it? Because I thought... I mean, I know he's done a lot of mock the weeks, and he said, no, it's the people the person brings. It's the person who doesn't know you. Yeah. And obviously quite often we do that. We've got a favourite thing. We bring a partner, a friend from work. We yeah. take a group together, and it's those people that shout at him because their experience of comedy is either on TV or it's a live club where the best stuff comes when you... He said he had a horrible one in Tunbridge Wells. I'm sending someone else a story, but... Um, where he's got a really amazing routine about Ricky Gervais and transphobia. Amazing routine. And it's amazing for a comic like James to do that because, yeah, really you know, good. he's usually, like, about ducks and, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, getting yeah, annoyed. Yeah. He does silly billy stuff. So to have something that's so scathing and astute yeah. about transphobia and um, which still isn't shutting down that we can joke about anything, but yeah. it's a problem with a, his problems with a comic like Ricky Gervais punching down in that way. And then he's, someone shouted out, fuck trans people. Yeah, and and like so, so his thing is so meticulous. It's not like a club where someone then can shut that person down. Yeah, no, and that's yeah. it. Oh, that's the thing. Because oh, oh, weirdly, I was talking about it on the way home uh, uh, with my partner. And again, yeah. if it's just you've gone to a comedy night, then yeah. that's a slightly different thing because yes. that's you've not gone to see a specific comedian. And, yeah. and equally, if you're in such a big room, mm. it's so hard to then be Control let's it. let's. Yeah. Cut that and, person yeah. and have that interaction. Yeah, and, like, then, oh, and then it kind of opens it up. And also, like, if you go back to your... The other thing is there's so much persona in comedy. So if you're James Acaster doing what James Acaster does and you then call someone a cunt, yeah. you go, shut up, you cunt. I don't come to your work and yeah. hit the dicks out of your mouth. Yeah. And then you can't <laughs> yeah. go back to being James Acaster because yeah. well, you, you just changed. You just changed who you are. Yeah. And that's the thing with comedy clubs and even some of them have really changed it isn't as uh, kind of combative as it used to be although that used to be the point but the MC sets up the night they come on and the way they talk to the audience sets up to the audience how they can behave for the comics and I was never ever as I say I don't like crowd work so for me it was hard when I did gigs that were like that but I would understand the room's been set up that they shout at you yeah. And we know the hens are here and we know it's Linda's 40th and we know this. So I can't, while I might struggle with material, I can't say that they are wrong. More often I'm a bad booking. It's, yeah. yeah, it's what they know and what they expect. I mean, I for mm. a long time have blamed Panto. Oh, yeah. Know, they've, they've brought up yes. a, a, a yeah. generation of young yes. people who think they're yeah. meant to be part of the show. You're not. Yeah. You're meant to sit there and enjoy yeah. it. But I do understand. <laughs> but sometimes, you know what, there's another side... It would be so similar. I wonder if there's a similarity with music in terms of like a right way and a bad way for an audience to behave. Because in music, the nightmare would be people being incredibly quiet, like they just have to be in awe of it. You don't. Yeah. You want them to tap their feet. You want them to be that they're feeling it in their bodies. Like and the other thing, like my- a plane in in Japan was ex- oh, exactly that. Yes. Right? The first time I did a festival, or the one time I did a festival in Japan, mm. asset shrunk by about. 15 minutes, because the song would end and there'd be applause, yeah, but then they'd just polite. be yeah. all silence. And normally, I'd have some chats and banter, yes, but yeah. after like two gaps, it was like, just play the next song, Dan. This is the, oh, wow. they were, and they were lovely, but it's just yes. a different culture. That's how they enjoy response. it. Yeah. Um, and so there is there are, there are quiet gigs in stand-up where someone shouts something, and it can be anything, right? Yeah. Sometimes someone shouting your shit is a gift, because the answer to that is, I know, I'm not having my best one. (laughs) And I can't work out what's going on. What's your name? Because you don't have to be scared of your shit because it's either either you are having a shit gig and them saying it's like everyone knew it, including you, or the opposite, where you're not. And you're going, 
Excuse me. Yeah. I'm actually having one of the best gigs of my life here. Yeah. Maybe I'm not for you. And again, you, it's, a, it's a door that you open and not being scared of it. Quite often, it can just become this glorious thing. What's their name? And either they're really drunk, so they're not listening. So them saying that your shit isn't an insult. It's yeah. just that they think you should do it. Or if you're having a bad gig, that can save you. Yeah. Because you can go into, did we get off on the wrong foot? What was it? You get a reboot. Yeah, and you get to go, was that too harsh? Should I not have opened telling you about my abortion? I used to open, and all of it then doesn't feel like you're set anymore. And so literally the thing you were stuck inside having to say, it's like it's an animal chaos, and everyone relaxes and warms up, and oh, it can be, yeah, it can be so great. I mean, it's tough, Yeah. Because we're giving just really mixed, mixed Mix messages, messages, essentially. We're saying yeah. we shouldn't be censored, but then we kind of yeah. d- but, don't punch but, it out. But, then but, this this is, <laughs> but this is why, and I might have said it when I was here last time, I've always thought this thing about, so the, the thing about not being censored, the audience aren't censored either. Yeah. So while I don't think it's great that people shout at James Acaster, the right to shout out in comedy where people don't shout in theatre is that it's not bourgeois. Yeah. And if you are not enjoying it, you can go to the bar, you can leave. You can Usually if it's a club gig, someone else will be on in 10 minutes, so it's yeah. great. But I actually like the fact that you're not so oppressed by the status of the person on stage because yeah. we're supposed to be we're supposed to be losers yeah and so yeah, actually yeah, yeah. so actually if the loser is losing point it out yeah yeah the thing is when it's kind of yeah a very drunk person but quite sometimes people heckle you something that's so funny it gets a round of applause and then everyone thinks it's magic they don't think oh that wasn't actually the comedian's joke yeah they just think they're having a nice oh, what time a good night that was and also if all heckling stopped it would be like what you're saying in japan yeah. it would be like it's like the theater now it's a play and so it, yeah, it is mixed messages. Enjoy. The Edinburgh Festival, you could go into six or seven different shows in a day who all expected a different behaviour from their audience. Yeah, but again, it yeah. all comes down to experience, right? Yeah. The, the more you're experienced yeah. of, of, of comedy, Stuart Lee used to have an amazing bit where no matter how well the gig was going, he'd always explain that they're not getting it quite right, but he can assure them it's good because he knows more about comedy than them because he's been to far more gigs. And it was always an amazing bit. The first time I saw it, I genuinely thought the show was falling apart. that he's made it up. And then it was like, oh, no, this is is the routine. He's he's one of the prime ones, actually. I'm glad you mentioned him about how he deals with people shouting out because usually there's a version of that. And I haven't seen him for a couple of years, but he used to have a thing. I saw him get heckled at Christmas by a Christmas party that they then left and he didn't know that the person who'd shouted out They'd they'd gone somewhere like, Like, so he didn't hear it. But he, he at that point, would sit down when someone heckled. So he would, so he kind of pull up a little stool and sit down and then ask them to repeat what they'd said. So he gave it this real weight of import. And I imagine quite often they didn't shout out. In this instance, it was because they had left. And then he went into this monologue about how he's a really good comedian, been doing comedy for like decades considered like the master of the of the craft yet someone had seen clear they'd seen a flaw in him somehow they needed to shout out and <laughs> yeah. he couldn't go home to christmas and his family because he'd be sitting there wondering what they <laughs> what, see what, yeah I love uh, it. oh it's just um yeah the audacity of him sometimes how he does that yeah. his routine about um robin williams killed himself because of unreliable audiences is yes sublime yeah absolutely mm. amazing well i'll start to wrap things up yeah, but, but before I do, there's two th- other things I definitely wanted to talk about, even even if it's briefly. Yeah, I think one of the best shows and most under shouted about shows of the last y- 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 year or two is Frankie Ball's oh, New World well, Order. Actually, when we were talking I about it, was absolutely fantastic, yeah. and I, I thought you were a, a key part of that. And how was that to be part of? I'm, to- I'm really lucky because I don't I don't know Frankie Boyle very well. Yeah. I've always been a fan of him. Like we're talking about Jezelnik. 
Frankie Boyle jokes about stuff I don't go anywhere near. Yeah. Anywhere near. I'm a, I'm a, and, and that's just a choice of me as a comedian. It's a choice what I find interesting to write about. But the, his, his form... Yeah, and and and, and his, the, his passion. The monologues at the end of the, the, of the, the show each time were prime example. His writing, and I think lots of people now through his journalism have yeah. come to Frankie not through like mock the weekdays yeah. and stand up, but f- but through his political opinion. And so I'm so I don't know him particularly well, but I guess I, I mean he got me the job originally. It was me and Catherine, but Catherine's become too busy to be this regular. So I get to watch him doing it every week. And what's really brilliant about it is that the BBC allow Frankie to pick the topics. Great. So there was there was a week where we had on, I can't remember her name, which is terrible, but she was absolutely brilliant. And basically she, she was talking about the left-wing reasons for wanting to leave the EU. Yeah. And so when Frankie comes up with something like that, I feel like, oh, I'm so lucky, not only to get to be in the room and hear the unedited version. And I'd really recommend if anyone wanted to, it's only about 100 people at the hospital club in Covent Garden yeah. but just to come and watch a show because actually yeah. it's like a really interesting university lecture yeah. because the experts he have on he has on he just lets them talk and talk and talk yeah and um and and with that having a really really I found it so hearty to be talking about the left-wing reasons for wanting to leave the EU because that's how lots of my friends felt before Brexit and then those arguments have been completely shouted down and they're a really important um part of the argument for democracy yeah and so this one was outlaying it so perfectly and it just felt so reasonable. It quite often feels very reasonable in the room. Yeah. And then I think they edit it down to a much shorter, funnier version. Yeah. But, um, no, I feel very lucky to work with him. That's great. And, yeah. and again, I just think the the way he, he's, as I said, he, he'll always have a genuine expert on it. won't just be his comedian's giving no. their opinions. And also the comedians he picks because he's a big part of that process and yeah. often the – the the host of a show is the steerer, whether it's Dara or Mock the Week or whether it's yeah. like Jimmy Carr with his shows. And frankly, we've had a couple of new comedians, like very new comedians, either their first or maybe second TV appearance. Yeah. But Frankie's so interested in their worldview. Yeah. And and there's nowhere else where anyone goes like, oh, yeah, let that person, ha- let's do that because I think people should hear what they've got to say. Or the excitement uh, when I saw Doug Stanhope was yeah. on was like, wow, because I love Doug, but you don't yes. really put Doug on TV. Charlie Brooker did a few times, yes. but in general. Yeah. And, and and part of that is half the time I'll hear him and go, no, you can't say, that's horrible. Well, you can't I, I swear- found him really difficult yeah. with Doug Stanhope. And the reason is, number one, okay, this is hot goss, um, no one drinks before Frankie's show, yeah. as in, so some TV shows, you know, this, they'll give you a glass of wine or ask yeah. what you want to drink when you're out there. There's nowhere to put a glass. And there's just been a universal decision that everyone has a drink after, so if yeah. everyone have a drink. Doug Stanhope, I think it's in his rider that he's hammered. Yeah. So they, it's the only time I've had a guest where they were being given drinks in between chats. Yeah. And I found him to be contrarian to the point of very unreasonable. Yeah. So sometimes it's because I would be like saying a joke so you're kind of setting up your joke or sometimes you and he'll go he'll just halfway through your sentence say no you yeah. you're not making sense to me you're the it's like you're talking i was talking about something about tories and labor and it's like you're just talking about it's like you're talking about star signs it doesn't even mean anything like what are you saying yeah and that's a, no one else has been that disrespectful to me <laughs> having the one dr- drunk person on the show because yeah. doug's a, a great example because he's got that jeselnik thing but he, it might take half an hour to get to it. Yeah. Like, when I watch him live, mm. you'll be like, this is really offensive. When it finally gets round to the yes. point, 
Yeah. It's amazing, but that's a show. That's yeah. not a, yes. a, a, also, just an interacting appearance. But this is when, the thing about comics in general is I think we become very unbearable because at work it's only us talking. Yeah. And I think that's true. And I, so I would say that's what's hard about Doug Stanhope is he's a kind of alpha male yeah. who just will talk and talk and talk and talk. And some of the men who do panel shows are like that. The majority of them aren't. They have to be team players yeah. or they don't work. Yeah. There's a couple that are like that. And I realise I've now got a thing where I'm an alpha male yeah. and I react really badly to those men and yeah. they react really badly to me because to them, basically, they say, I disagree with you. And I go, N- I disagree with you. And so it's not very conducive to... Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a fascinating one because, mm. as I said, I feel he is someone that... If you let him talk and talk and talk, there'll be a payoff. Mm. But that, as said, that's that's not necessarily good for an interactive no, show because it's like that means if you don't, all you're going to get is the bits where, man, that's a horrible thing to say, or that yes. just sounds rude, that yeah. sounds offensive because mm. he's someone that needs that space. But that's not the right fit for any no. kind of interaction yes. with other humans. No. It's oh, right also, for a stand-up. Also it's I've right realized. for being on stage holding a microphone yeah that, and that's the point that's what you're there for yeah. I've realised as well with Doug Stanhope and a couple of other comics in that ilk I'm not that interested yeah. in what they have to say I do yeah. acknowledge the skill yeah. but I guess I'm not his crowd yeah. particularly yeah I yeah. feel yeah. yeah that's exciting well I mean sp- speaking of the kind of, of finding yourself to be an alpha male it's exciting that you've got these shows that are yours now rather yes, than you yeah. being part of. Mm. So we've talked um, a, a bit about a comedian's giving lectures, but you've also got a, a Last Woman on Earth yes, on the BBC yeah, where you're yeah. doing a travel show, yes. which is exciting because I thought I'd done a, a bit of research mm. and I thought only male comedians could do travel yeah. shows, but <laughs> yeah. it turns out. Yeah, I've told them I'm a man. Females can as well. <laughs> oh, that's it. You've decided yeah. you're an alpha. You're yes, the alpha male. That's it. That's I, mean, I walked in there and went, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I did a documentary last year, just a one-off, um, where a man who, a blind man who runs a travel company with, so where they t- blind people and sighted people go on holiday together. Right, yeah. So I, I did a documentary with him and st- doing a documentary is not the holiday I expected it to be, yeah. annoyingly, <laughs> but I did realise it's a really fascinating because essentially... It's, it's like if you made a sitcom by overfilming it by a hundred times and then decided what the story was. Mm. And so, and this and this one, we're going to Cuba and Georgia in August and September. So I'm so excited because wow. yeah. I'm not a well-travelled person. And right. now I'm at a stage now I'm watching other people's documentaries about those places and just trying to learn about them. But they're both hugely affected by the fall of the USSR yeah. in quite polar ways. And they're now going through huge a huge amount of change. Georgia, because it's kind of closing up and... Cuba because it's opening up to the rest of the world. Yeah. So I'm just so fascinated. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's it's really, really great. Yeah. Exciting. And do you kind of like that now? Because there's going to, I think, with anything, there's always a fear. I don't know. I don't know if it's, it's just me. Often mm. it's more comfortable to be part of someone else's project because yeah. the pressure isn't on you ah. like if if if, 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 if Frankie Boyle's yes. New World Order fails yeah. no one's going to be like well Sarah and actually you fuck that if up. there's a terrible review of it yeah. it's like of Frankie yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and Frankie in his format um, I don't do you know what I it's, it's interesting because my I don't feel worried about the documentary and also with comedians giving lectures 
it's not my format. Yeah. So it's like I host it. Yeah. So if people do, if people don't watch it or don't like it, again, I don't feel like it wasn't my dream yeah, or my baby. With the documentary, I guess the worst thing can happen really in TV is that no one watches it. Yeah. So that and, and actually that isn't my fear. I'd go, yeah. then no one even knows. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. I got I got paid. No one even knows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of lovely. Well, I'll wrap things up there. Uh, where can people keep up to date with all that is ahead I've and got, all that's um, going on? A, a website. Excellent. Yeah, and I guess um, on Instagram I post much more than Twitter yep. nowadays, but I am on Twitter as well. Yeah. And um, and Mouse has got his own Instagram he has as got his, well. Yeah, my so boyfriend runs his Instagram. It's not me, in case you think. She said she was busy and she's just posting <laughs> pictures of a dog all day. But he's a very photogenic dog. Yeah. Really is. Well, thank you very much. It's been a, a pleasure to actually to, to so catch up. To and now you. we're going to actually take the Polaroid photo and, and yeah. get it this time. Thank you. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go, guys. You know, starting a podcast. I hope this. I said I think it might be my favourite ever. Not one of my favourites, but my favourite ever. I hope you agree, because that was a hell of a conversation, and I'm really proud of it, and I'm really glad that we had it. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, please scream and shout about it. Um, I've noticed a weird thing that I see a lot, and this, this is, you know, it's, I hope it's just chance, but this year I've since every time or most of the times I've been I've seen posts and people screaming and shouting about particular episodes. It's been for the male guests, and again I've had some amazing male guests, so it's probably just chance. I'm not putting anything on here or making it heavy. I mean, it's been for a lot of the white male guests, <laughs> um, but yeah. Shout about the variation on this podcast. I've had some really cool guests this year. I've had, over the whole length of the podcast, I've had some amazing guests. But in particular, I feel this is an episode that's worth shouting about and celebrating. I was really, yeah, I love this. I can't wait for all of Sarah's projects, her book, her multiple shows. I mean, we talk about all of it, as well as going off on all sorts of tangents. I feel that Sarah should be on every year she should be a regular guest because we don't need to talk about stuff that she's promoting uh, we can just talk about stuff that she's educated herself in and learned and is excited about and passionate about and angry about and worried about you know so um yeah really pleased with this episode another thing i'm pleased with i'll tell you now is we've had the new edition of the pod bible out we launched in london brighton and up in edinburgh at the fringe pod bible is a magazine um that you can get new podcast recommendations from essentially we're also about to launch so on monday we're launching the pod bible podcast um please go and have a listen to the trailer the idea i'm going to be putting out a special bonus episode talking to Stu and adam of pod bible and yeah the idea of it is that it's it's 20 to 30 minutes it's a little mini episode every week the way i describe it is it's um, a supplement not a meal replacement for your regular podcast diet so you can enjoy enjoy it alongside all your regulars rather than feel it has to replace someone. I always find if I'm traveling, I'll often have a podcast finish a little bit before the end of my journey. And I'll be at the end of my journey, so I won't necessarily want to start a new episode of something, particularly if it's big or deep. But I, 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 would, I don't want to sit with my own thoughts. Are you crazy? So, yeah, that's kind of where the pod Bible slips in. We can be there if you... It's on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast. 
if you like and subscribe an automatic download it's only short so it won't take up tons of space in your phone and you can just have it there um as said to to call upon in emergencies so yeah that's the pod bible podcast and pod bible magazine is at podbiblemag.com so go and check all of that out um is there anything else i need to tell you about i don't think so um oh i mean i guess i could mention next week's guest um you know sometimes i do this thing where i get buddy to cut it and put it in the beginning um i'm not even going to do that this time because next week's guest is someone you lot have been waiting for for ages and it's another one it's one of my favorites um straight off the bat it's a really important and deep and open and interesting conversation but i'm not even going to get him to put this at the beginning because i want this for just the people who've stuck around I mean, the people in the Patreon crew already know. But just for the people who've stuck around till the end, my Team 3 WGs, because you're going to be excited about this because you've been requesting it for ages. Next week, I sit down with Joe Gilgan of This Is England, of Preacher, of his new series Brassic, which is fantastic. Yeah, I've been trying to line this up for ages. I'm so pleased we had this conversation it really gets deep with stuff that's really personal to me and stuff that's really personal to Joe. Um, Joe is so open and honest in it. It's amazing. Yeah, that's next week. How's that for a, a guest? I'm pretty. I'm, I'm buzzing for that one, man. It's going to be so good. Joe's only done... He's only been on one podcast in the past, and it's the Two Shot Podcast. It's a fantastic podcast. He's done two episodes on there. They're both amazing. I'm really proud of what we got as well. I feel honoured and privileged to join two shot in the 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 limited documentation of the wonderful mr joseph gilgan um woody from this is england cassidy from preacher and uh vin is it i think vinnie i may have got that wrong but vinnie in his new series brassic but it's a brilliant character you're going to adore him so yeah that's next week you might want to get in on that one and listen and enjoy this week I'll be recording a few new ones as well, so if you are on the Patreon crew for just a dollar, you can see who I've been chatting with. Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> I'm pretty pleased with that. Um, yeah, I'll see you all next week, guys. Until then, ta-ta.